0: Boy, do we have a treat for you this morning. We, we are, we are uh, continuing with our workplace series, God at Work. Uh, Pastor Sai kicked us off last week uh, with a, a, a great um, a teaching on, on our, our finding our identity in God within the context of work, and it's amazing if you missed it, please make sure that you get uh, the, the podcast uh, today we 're continuing down this series, and we have two very special people uh, who are going to be tag teaming for us uh, today so if you 'll allow me, I just want to quickly uh, read the, their bios because I think these are the, these are these are incredible so uh, we're, we're going to have first up uh, Mlamli Boy, who's going to be uh, coming up and sharing. Mlamli has been involved in church and student ministry for many years. His ministry together with, wait for it, his only wife, Pumzele, has been in assisting in building strong families through mentoring couples. This began as a non-denominational ministry, which later began, became an every nation couples ministry. They've been leading the couple's mentoring program since 2011. Mlamli is an electronic engineer and MSc graduate from UCT. He's also an entrepreneur who is passionate about innovation. After many years of practicing as an engineer, he was appointed by President Nelson Mandela, let that sink in, to the Council of the Broadcasting Regulator. He later ran his own business for 16 years before responding to a second national call to run a state-owned company. He is currently running Centec as a CEO, driving corporate innovation. Centec is one of the few profitables, profitable SOEs with a clean audit for six years. It is not captured. His entire working career spans over three decades in multiple sectors. He's married to Pumzile and has a clan of three young adult children. He is a born-again child of God. <laughs> He's going to be coming up in a moment and following him will be Mamelo. Let me introduce you to Mamello. Uh, Mamelo is uh, Vodacom's managing executive for the central region and leads Vodacom's operations in Free State and Northern Cape. Originally from Gauteng, Mamello was previously Vodacom's managing executive for Group Strategy. Prior to Vodacom, she was at MTN where she worked as executive associate in the office of the Group CEO and later as the general manager for FTTX and Digital Solutions. She joined Telecoms in 2015 after a long tenure as a management consultant at McKinsey and company in South Africa and the UK. Mamelo grew up in Gauteng, raised by amazing parents with her four brothers. She was reintroduced to Jesus as a second-year student at UCT and has been a follower of him since. She is married to a champion, a conqueror of mountains, stalwart of faith, Silebel. <laughs> Come on, brother. <laughs> Mamello is passionate about the development and success of young women. She's also a writer, uh, and you can get a hold of some of her stuff at www.rulestheynevertoldus.com, and a speaker focusing on empowering young professionals and contributing to discussions about the opportunities presented by technology to transform businesses, individuals, and society. Mamelo holds a master's degree in economics from the University of Cape Town and an MBA from London Business School. Heavyweights, people. <laughs> Please help me welcome uh, somebody I refer to as Mkaya, because we, we hail from the same area, boy. Uh, Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Mkhaya. Very good morning, church. It is indeed a privilege to be standing in front of you this morning just to share with you from the Word of God what this topic is about, God at work. Uh, Maruti, I thought I would uh, ask permission, because I'm a baby boomer and I grew up in an area which is very conservative, as you know, that I can't stand in the pulpit and preach unless I get permission from the pastor uh, to take off my jacket. (laughs) May I ask you to give me the permission? Uh, I'll ask my son to take my jacket. Thank you very much, Murudi. Thank you. Thank you. It it, it does get a little bit hot up here. Uh, Once upon a time, in the area where I grew up, the, the message of the gospel came and hit that area very hard to the extent that some of us as young boys during that time, we received the gospel and responded and got born again. But what happened in that area was that it was so important that what is on the outside must reflect, quote-unquote, that you are born again. That was a culture and a tradition. And that's why I had to just put on that jacket for a few seconds. (laughs) Then there was conflict in the church because of fashion. It was a time of bell-bottom, Pam, and miniscus, and see-throughs. So people in the church were so conservative that they said, look, We can't allow our people to wear bottom at church. Let's call the very senior pastor to come and intervene. They did, they called the Reverend Nicholas Bengu, well respected, back to God leader. I had the privilege of sitting under his ministry. So he came on the day, they were ready for him to quote the scriptures that says, there shall be no bottom at church. Guess what happened? Reverend Bengu came on the day. He did not come in early as he usually does, but he came in right at the time when he's gonna preach. And he came wearing a (laughs) bell-bottom. Open the word of God and preach the word of God. Culture, conflict, tradition. What would lead you to this? We are talking about conflict in the workplace. And uh, sometimes we run around in our work environment and we don't know what hit us, and that happened. What leads to you saying, I quit? What leads you to saying, look, this conversation is taken out of context. You want me to do what? With whom and for how long? People are fighting. In fact, it's not only in the workplace, people out there are angry. And I don't know why, I think the spirit of anger is prevailing. Take a deep breath when this happens. Count one up to 10 if you can. There are many things that happen in the workplace that we have to deal with. This is like a lightning strike where you have difficulties dealing with your colleagues, and uh, the so-called weather people, one day they look like this, the other day they look like the other. You'll never know. It's an oppressive environment. There's racism, there's sexism, and there's ageism. When you're this side of 50, you get quite edgy when people are Mm -hmm. (laughs) ageist. And they tell you that you're too old now, you must retire. Some of us don't really appreciate that. Um, and sometimes if you are too young, they tell you, you, you're very young. It is a really privilege to be sharing this topic with a a millennial. So it's a baby boomer and a millennial. So what she's really going to display to us is what happens and how does she deal with the environment in her workplace. There's a lot of PhDs at work pull me down. there's a lot of cynics, people who say, this has never been done like this before, and it can't change, it can't be done. One person said to me when I was trying to address the issue at work of slow turnaround time when it comes to execution, he said, we've got a very slow supply chain um, department here and, and we can't turn things around. I said to them, look, we will try and do our best because you will turn it around. Guess what he said? He said, if you do that, pigs will fly. So then I went ahead as a fine. I accept that we're going to find a supply chain manager. She's going to help me to grow wings on pigs. (laughs) And we began that process of growing these wings on pigs. And. I'll give you some feedback later as to how far we're doing. But you can bring a positive change to the environment. It is all in the mind. You can be an agent of change. You can bring the best out of people. Bring out the best from people. Instead of getting to work, saying that things will not come right, bring the best, bring some dance to people so that they can be happy at work bring some peace. Bishop Tutu said, we are a rainbow nation. Guess what happens when you see the rainbow, I'm a rural boy, if I'm out in the field and I see a rainbow, I know that calmness is about to come. So the storm is over. You know that song? Storm is over. <laughs> uh, the storm is over. There will be calmness. So that's the reason. Today we're talking about conflict fights at work. Why do we fight at work? You will tell us why, but here is the scripture that I want us to explore just a little bit. Whatever you do, do it heartily, as to the Lord, and not to men. Now, you're sitting at work, trying to do your work heartily, wholly, from your soul, thoroughly, and with all sincerity. And then, as you're sitting there with your heart lovely and without any problem, guess what happens? A storm comes. Somebody throws a javelin into your heart. Boom, there's conflict. And then what happens to you? You start probably blaming God because your heart is broken. And then we try, or you try yourself and those around you to do something that can be dangerous, to put a plaster around a broken heart. What does that mean to us, putting a plaster on a broken heart? That will create a disease which I have called conflictomyelitis. (laughs) That's a disease that is incurable, is contagious, outrageous, it is vicious. But guess what? That's conflictomyelitis can be cured through the blood of Jesus. Jesus was warning his disciples, I'm going to ask my, uh, my co preacher to read this verse for me in Siswana. It says, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but all to anyone through whom they come. Guess, cause I eat it. Is the Kubegi so the Zofika? Got to a here is a zangai. Guess is the little my is a zangai. A cast is one Kumadi mabi, yo
2: disahangayen.
1: <laughs> yeah, Kumadi mabi, go disahangayen. Yeah. My, yeah, it's a Shanghai. Now, this is a very powerful scripture for me to remember that when I deal with conflict, I must make sure that I don't become the one who causes grief and conflict in the workplace, in the environment that I am in. Is Kubeki so zizofika? Yeah, it's a Zangai. You can sing that song if you like. Compose it, musicians. Yeah! yeah. It's a Zangai. <laughs> and then we go to James, chapter 4, verse 1 to 3. says, what is the source of quarrels and conflict among you? Is it not the source of your pleasures? That wage war in your members. You lust and you do not have... So you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures. There's a lot of conflict because of the motives that people have. Ask yourself, in the first place, why are you working? Have you ever asked yourself that? Are you working because you want to earn a paycheck? If that's the purpose of your work, re-examine it. I think Pastor Sai did speak to us last week about purpose of work, what do we do? Why do we do what we do? Because if you don't know your purpose, yeah. yeah. Because persecutions, Will come to your workplace and you will bring those persecutions. Just a brief story on how I deal with persecutions, how I have dealt with persecutions in my work environment. Um, Trouble started at the time when I hired somebody, we hired somebody, placed them in a position, but they were not able to deliver. We had one option one, to discipline him, send him home. Secondly, it was to Ask him, what is the option? So I asked him, what can I do for you? You're not performing. You agree? Yes, I agree, I don't perform. And then he said, no, no, this scope is too wide, so I need you to narrow it. I said, cool, try and narrow it. Gave him a department to run. Um, But the consequence of him being moved to this narrow department was that his pay grade was gonna drop. Guess what, conflict because now his paycheck is going to be less. So he took the, the, the option of dropping the paycheck so that he can be able to at least have a job because going home, being sent home would have been worse. So colleagues around my work environment thought, you should have fired this guy. But in me, I thought, that is not the only way of solving conflict think about the family of this person, think about his reputation and his career. Then I said to him, think about the reputation of this organization, and he had to accept the fact that he has to take a pay cut. Now, unfortunately, this um, didn't go down too well to other people, because they were saying, why did you demote this person, not tell the organization, spill the beans. I don't spill the bins of things that are not supposed to be spilled out there. In my work environment, when I arrived three and a half years ago, people were so much in conflict. I had a tissue box and boxes of tissues in my office. Because in the first six months, I was fielding tears of people who were depressed by the way they're being handled by other colleagues. My These people, unfortunately, uh, they could not handle it. So all I had to do, imagine, look, it was men and female, men and women coming to my office. You have to be very careful as umzalwana right? Behind closed doors, somebody comes crying. Even if you feel like giving them a hug, you, you've got to walk carefully, male to female, giving a hug behind closed doors someone is crying. I had to put a tissue box there and say, God, help me. Stand that side. And uh, and Lord, help me to be able to manage the situation. Take a new tissue box and pray for them. The last thing I I did was to make sure that every morning I go to work and pray at 7 o'clock before most people come. So that I can say to this organization, look, uh, Yeah, Yeah. it's a zangai. So we had to make sure that we pray hard. Uh, Let me run quickly. Uh, Sorry, I'm going back. Uh, um, I think I've dealt a lot with how I deal with conflict at work. But the verse I want to leave you with is the one that says, it all depends on you. It all depends on you. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, Live at peace with all men. Otherwise, yeah. Persecutions must not be brought to the work environment by you. So, um, you can see I'm not used to this clicker. Before I call my uh, sister, Mamelo, it all depends on you. Remember that. Having peace in the workplace depends on you. Make sure that you are an agent of change. Never outsource your your happiness to other people. You can't say they made me angry. They made me unhappy. It is inside of you. It is inside of you. May I call Mamela to come to the fore as we conclude this one. Good morning, every
2: nation. Good morning to our visitors. Um, thank you so much for the privilege of being invited here to come and share a little bit about my experience and about, <coughs> excuse me, um, what God has been doing for me in my in my career. Firstly, let me let me let you in on on something. I love this topic. I love this topic. I love this topic because. Um, I used, to, I used to run a connect group when I was on campus. And uh, this connect group was called God's Vision for Business and Leadership. And I felt very smart, you know, running this connect group. And, and two things came out of that connect group that are near and dear to me and that have really shaped and changed my life. The first is that it was through that connect group that uh, a young man plucked up the courage to invite me for that first coffee. <laughs> it was a powerful coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. The second is that in in that connect group in in connecting with how God sees work, leadership, business, I really began to understand my work in a different light. And I began to understand that God is intrinsically interested in my work, in all of our work, that that my work is interesting to God in and of itself, not only as a means to a paycheck so that I can come and contribute to the work of God in the church. So my work is ministry, and it's ministry that God is interested in, ministry that God is involved in, And and today, I've submitted uh, my work into God's hands. I've submitted my career into God's hands. And God is my boss. God is my boss. There are people that have been placed uh, in leadership roles around me. um, And some of them don't know that actually God is my boss. And and God is, is the one who decides which jobs I get. God is the one who decides which doors open and which doors close. God is the one who decides when I stay and when I leave. But just because my work is God's work, it doesn't mean it's always easy. It doesn't mean that it's always plain sailing. It doesn't mean that um, nothing will ever go wrong. And so sometimes this happens. Why? because as was was elaborating, I mean, I'm an imperfect person. I work with imperfect people in organizations led by imperfect people and decisions made by imperfect people with imperfect motives. And so in that context, it is inevitable that at any given moment, there is a conflict that is about to start or a conflict that is in full swing, or a conflict that has just wrapped up and another five are in the wings. Work seems to be a pipeline of conflict after conflict after conflict, and it is our job as Christians in the workplace to really view those conflicts in the correct light. And so, um, Budmla elaborated a bit, and I want to share a little bit of some reasons why, why conflicts come about and none of these will be new. We know that sometimes there are misunderstandings. It's not always malicious, right? But there are times when there is injustice, when there is greed, when there's poor performance, insensitivity. One of the things that, that I, I really worry about in our workplaces is that we've depersonalized people and we treat people like machines or like equipment that you can just move around and throw away and replace and and that causes a lot of conflict. And I think for those of us who in any way lead other people in the workplace, please can I ask you to bring back the humanity of people. They're they're not resources, (laughs) they're not FTEs or headcount, they are people. Um, So there's discrimination, poor leadership, there's also poor followership. Not all of us are good at being followers. And that's something that we also have to be aware of. There's dishonesty, lack of courage, and sometimes there are misaligned expectations. Now, conflict can arise um, because of a conflict between peers. We see in Daniel 3 that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a conflict with their peers. And those people who, um, who were their peers, whom they were in conflict with, then colluded to kick off a series of events that landed them in the fiery furnace. I encourage you to go and read that story. But conflict can also happen because you are in conflict with your leader. In in Daniel 6, Daniel ended up being in conflict with the king. And and that led to him being thrown into uh, a den of lions. Now in both cases, God came through for them. But you can see there that the source of conflict, no matter which direction it comes from, can land us, you, me, even though we're the innocent party in those situations, in the hot seat, facing the lions. Now, in my case, um, and I'll share a bit of my story, my conflict ended up being with both. One of the things I I fight, I feel like I'm in constant conflict as a leader at work. Um, I, I have a large team and I always feel like I'm having to fight and defend my team. And, um, and I joked to my team the other day that I think they should buy me a Red Beret. It says fighter. <laughs> and we changed my job title because I'm always fighting, right? And it's not a bad thing. And I maybe shouldn't use the word fighting at work. I should say I'm always resolving one or other difference, misunderstanding. But in this case, and I'll just share one example, I was in conflict with both my peers and my leader. So what happened? I I got a new job. I got a new job, it was very exciting. So exciting, in fact, that I felt like somebody who had just gotten a brand new one of those. I, I had a new job, I'd been headhunted into this role. Um, They came and found me. The boost to the ego is unbelievable. I'm being honest. Um, I was on a high. I, I came in to the organization with huge expectations. I came into the organization ready to make a difference. I had told the CEO, don't worry about that area anymore. If you leave it in my hands, I will take care of it. I even told the CEO in the interview, I don't know that I recommend this, but I told the CEO in the interview, let's talk about what I'm going to do after this role. And he said, no, listen, first deliver, and then we'll, and I said, no, 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 no. Let's do this. I am going to deliver. You start working on my next opportunity. I was excited. (laughs) And so you can imagine the sense of this thing. And within three months, I was here. (laughs) I felt like I had been sold a lemon. I was on the side of the road and I was wondering what was going on. The team culture that I had walked into can only be described as toxic. I had a leader with very limited people skills, and I'm being polite out of respect for the pulpit. (laughs) The concept of a basic level of respect for a person was completely missing, completely missing. It was considered absolutely normal for somebody to be shouted at, for people to be sworn at, humiliated in meetings, in front of their colleagues, There were fights that we could hear down the corridor of people being belittled, being cut to pieces, and being told day in day out how useless and incompetent they were. There was no trust, no trust in any direction in the team. People didn't trust each other's competence, they didn't trust each other's motives, they didn't even trust each other's integrity. It was so bad that in my second or third week there, there was an intervention. I didn't initiate the intervention. The situation, I mean, it, it presented itself. The team had the lowest people score in the whole company. In fact, the leader had received a wooden spoon. You know, like from idols. The exco had literally given this leader a wooden spoon, a physical wooden spoon. It was that bad. And they staged an intervention, a facilitator was called in, and even that fell apart. This put me on a collision path with my leader. I, this whole thing completely collided with my values. And in fact... <clears throat> I would defend my team, so there were sub-teams within that. I would defend my team and be called defensive. I would engage with other executives and be accused of colluding. I would simply talk to someone's PA and be accused of plotting. What were you talking about? Why were you talking to them? Why wasn't I in that meeting? What are you planning? And It was so bad that the culture had actually filtered down to my colleagues who had started treating their people in the same way. And after three months, I actually decided that I deserved better. I deserve better. I am employable. I am highly sought after. I don't need this. But my boss had different ideas. My real boss had different ideas. I was very stubborn, by the way. I had had no interest. I was already talking to another organization about what looked like an incredible role, and I was ready to walk. But God intervened and also used the guy from the Connect Group coffee (laughs) to really speak into my life. Um, and, And I realized after a lot of prayer and reflection that actually I had to take some responsibility here. First of all, I wanted to run away. That was my first solution, I'm going to run away, which frankly was a failure of leadership on my part. Because if I'm absconding, who am I leaving the responsibility to, to make a change in that team? Who else is going to do that? If it bothers me that much, surely I am the person who feels strongly enough about it to do something about it. I was failing to be salt and light in that situation. I was sitting there feeling like a victim and not playing my role. And frankly, this is where my husband challenged me and it was difficult. I was not displaying grit, grit, perseverance, sticking with something even though it's difficult and not walking away just because it's inconvenient or uncomfortable. And I was reminded of the scripture from Jeremiah. When Jeremiah was was complaining to God about injustice, God said to him, if you have raced with men on foot and they have wearied you, how do you think you're going to contend with horses? How do you think if you can't beat a guy running on the the road, you're going to try and race against horses? If you stumble in safe country, how do you think you're going to manage by the thickets in the Jordan? And I have aspirations of leadership. I have aspirations of leading organizations. And God said to me, if in this small team environment, relatively small, you want to run away, how are you going to do when you want to lead an entire organization? Why are you running away? And so, now what? <laughs> right? And, and, I, and I, I had to go back to the boss and say, okay, I'm not going to leave, but I need you to help me. And God says that if you lack wisdom, ask. And God gives generously to all who ask. And so what did I do? One, I realized that I needed to start talking about the vision of leadership that I had for that team. I had to grow up and start behaving like a leader because I was a leader in that team. I may not have been the leader of the whole team, but I was a leader and I needed to speak a vision and start talking about what leadership means to me and what leadership could look like and start encouraging the team to believe that it can be different in this team. It can be different in this organization. Secondly, I had to role model. I had to take responsibility for how I was responding to the challenges that we faced. I needed to stop complaining and feeling like a victim and do something about it. Thirdly, I had to provide some coaching. People can know what you expect, but if they don't know how to do it, guess what? And in this case, I had to provide coaching to my boss, which wasn't comfortable. And I had to say things like, you know, When you dragged the team um, through a three-week process just to select a restaurant for team drinks, true story, it destabilizes the team. It creates a lot of noise in the system that is unnecessary. I suggest you try and trust the PA to do that and do it well. And even if it's not 100% perfect, it will be done, and it will be 95% perfect and people will enjoy it. And we ended up with a system where she said to me, if we're sitting in a meeting and she starts caring too much about a small thing, I should just give her a hint. I should just say. <laughs> and it worked. So I had to do that. And, 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 and lastly, I had to put in place some helpful processes to help us as a team. And so what I did is I asked my team that let's, let's put together a survey that we ran with the team uh, once a month. And once a month, we would send out to the team a very simple survey that said, you know, do you feel respected in this team? Do you feel that there's clarity in terms of your goal and direction? Do you feel that we resolve things well? And every month, we would track and show how we were doing and how we were getting better and better as a team around these small but so so important things and so all of this um, it looks great on a slide now but it wasn't easy it was long it was slow sometimes we went one step forward and five steps back because there was a blow-up because somebody lost their temper because and we would just keep at it and we would keep at it and so human behavior doesn't change overnight people don't change just because you tell them people don't change just because um, they see you behaving differently people don't change just because you 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 provided them with some coaching people don't change because you made it easy you know in terms of the processes and the systems people change because you've done all those things and it takes time and so in that situation, I grew up as a leader. I did my most growing up as a leader and, and I, I, earned, I learned grit and maturity and patience and what it is to be a leader leading through the storms. Because leading on a sunny day is relatively easy when everybody's happy and motivated and, and on board. And I really learned about this. So I know that there are times when you have to leave. I know that there are times when you've done all you can and you realize that, actually, I need to leave. But if the boss hasn't said you can go, that's where we need to stay. And I'll close with this scripture um, from 1 Peter. Peter says also, finally, as if he knew that I would close with it. All of you be like-minded, be sympathetic. Love one another. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because this is what you were called to so that you, you may inherit a blessing. Amen.